This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Back home in Pampa, we have been doing several series of studies, and this latest study of series, that, or series of studies that we've been doing is Christ is our everything, that Christ is our all in all, and what that means for us, is, and we have broken that down some into uh, Christ, <clears throat> Christ is our, our, our everything, that Christ is God with us, that while he was on this earth, Christ was God with us. He, here in the flesh, and he felt every, every, everything that, that we felt, he was tempted as we were, but he was God with us, and also that Christ was our redeemer, that we needed Jesus Christ, we needed him to come to this earth, and we needed him to die on that cross so that we can be redeemed from our sins that we cannot redeem ourselves from, and how Christ is our advocate that he's the one that is speaking on our behalf. Those that are in Christ Jesus, those that have been baptized and believe in Jesus Christ and have risen to walk in newness of life, they have that advocate, and that is Jesus Christ our Lord. And this morning, I want us to talk about Christ, our example. If you are interested in those other studies, we have those up on our podcast and on, on our YouTube. If, if you're into that kind of thing, I would encourage you to do so. We like listening to y'all's podcast, so we have these sermons there. If you want to go back and listen to those, I would encourage you to do so. You can get the whole picture here. But this morning, I want us to talk about Christ is our example and, and how we live out that example in our lives now. That Jesus Christ is, is our all in all. He is our everything. He is the one that came to this earth, was crucified and died so that we would have that home in heaven. But he wants us to follow in his footsteps and be the example that he has left for us today while we have that time here. I want us to look at how Jesus dealt with suffering and persecution. That Jesus dealt with suffering and persecution in, in a way that is not normal. That most humans, most people want to deal with that in a different way. And Jesus Christ dealt with, dealt with his suffering and his persecution in a specific way. And I want us to see, can we do that ourselves this morning? Also, how Jesus humbled himself and became obedient and submissive to the will of God. That in all circumstances, in every situation that Jesus Christ was in, he was making sure that he was a humble and obedient servant to God the Father. And he was going to do his will. That in our lives, when we, when we come across people or situations in our lives, are we making sure that we are doing the will of God? Are we a humble and obedient servant? And I want us to see how we can be that way this morning. As well, how Jesus obeyed God faithfully no matter the circumstances. And that one can be difficult. You know, for us to be the example that Christ expects us to be, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard, but it's what God and his son expects us to to be is that example that he has lived. And I think we can do that. I think we can follow with Jesus' footsteps and that we can be the example that Jesus Christ wants us to be. Jesus Christ is our example. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, the Bible says, For, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, and, and neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop 
of your soul. So Peter here is writing that, that, the, that, that we should follow the, the example, to follow the footsteps that Christ has given us. And it says Christ went to that tree and he bore our sins in his own body. He's done all those things for us. And that he is the shepherd and the bishop of our soul and that we are sheep returning to that shepherd. And I don't know a lot about sheep, but I do know or I have studied or I've heard that sheep, when they hear the shepherd's voice, they follow the shepherd. And the shepherd is going to lead them where they need to go. And we are the sheep and we should follow the shepherd. But I want us to go back here in verse 21 and 23 where, where the Bible says, Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not. Jesus Christ suffered all those things so that we would have that home in heaven. And he has left those examples, those footsteps that we should follow. And one of the things that Jesus did is when he was reviled or reviled not again, what that means is that when they were throwing insults at him, when they were persecuting him, he did not retaliate. It says that when he was suffering and when he was suffering wrongfully, he suffered those things, but he did not threaten them. And this is where it becomes a little difficult for us because when someone wants to insult us, when someone wants to threaten us, what do we want to do? We want to insult them back. That's a human nature. That's human thinking is that this fleshly person wants to retaliate. If we're suffering wrongfully or they're threatening, we want to threaten back. That, that's something that I struggle with personally a lot. That in my walk with Christ, that there's times where people are threatening me or they're, they're persecuting me or they're saying things or they're insulting me for Jesus' sake. And I want to retaliate. I want to do something back to them. But that is not the example that Christ has left for us. But it's difficult for us. Further back in this chapter, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17, the Bible says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Why is that difficult for us to do? We want to be the best example that we can be. And we should strive for that every day. But our self gets in the way. That's because there's a war going on. It says that the flesh or those fleshly lusts war against the soul. It says that the spirit is against the flesh and these two are contrary to one another. And it's a constant fight. It's a constant struggle that we have every single day. And we need to recognize that fight and that Christ expects us to fight that fight. But it's a fight against yourselves. That's, that's the difficult part, is that Justin, so to speak, wants to retaliate. He wants to do those things because there's a war going on. The flesh is against the spirit, but we should walk in the spirit and bear the, the, the fruit of the spirit. So even though that is the, the example that we have, that we should follow in Jesus Christ's steps, I want us to recognize the difficulties, but that does not mean that it is impossible. It does not mean that you cannot live the example that Christ wants you to live. And I think if we focus on certain things and we teach ourselves, we train ourselves, we can be the best example that we can be and just recognize the fight that is in us, that spirit against the flesh. You know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is our reasonable service. He said, well, you should be the example. And Christ is the one that you should follow. 
And that's reasonable. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So we, while we're on this earth, should be an example. We should have our example be like Jesus Christ. And it says that we should be a living sacrifice. Well, what is a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice is holy and is acceptable unto God. That second verse just says, don't be conformed to this world, which is that fleshly nature. It says, but be transformed so that you can prove what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're going to try to be the best example that you can be, if you want to be that Christ-like example, then when you come across things in your life, you should always be thinking of, is this acceptable unto God? It doesn't matter if it's acceptable to the world. We're not concerned with what's acceptable to the world or what's acceptable in society today or what society thinks that we should accept. We should do the things that are acceptable unto God because that's what Jesus did. Everything that he did, every word that he spoke, he was always thinking, is this acceptable unto God? I'm here to do my Father's will. A living sacrifice is holy and acceptable unto God. So as we go through this study and you're thinking about maybe some times in your life where you kind of struggled with this, just continue to think, is what I'm doing, is what I'm saying, is the acting that I'm saying, or the words I'm not speaking, is this acceptable unto God? Now in John chapter five, to back up in this chapter, in John chapter five, this is where Jesus heals an impotent man. And he heals this man, he performs this miracle on this guy, and he does it on the Sabbath day. And the Jews and the Pharisees there, they're, they're upset because he broke the Sabbath. He had done this miracle on the Sabbath day, which they said that, that was not lawful for him to do. And they're so upset that they're wanting to persecute him. They're wanting to kill Jesus because he did this thing. And Jesus said, look, I can do nothing. The son can do nothing without the father. This miracle that was performed back here in John chapter 5 against this impotent man, it was done and it was God's will that it was done. And Jesus says, I'm here to do my father's will. I'm here to do what God wants me to do. And as he's going through, as he's teaching them, he says here in John chapter 5 verse 41, speaking of that incident there where he healed that man, he said, I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye have received me not. If another shall come in his name, in his own name, him ye you will receive. How can ye believe which receiveth honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? You know, what Jesus was concerned about was not the honor of men. He wasn't concerned about that. He was concerned about doing the will of God. He said, I'm concerned about seeking the honor that comes from God only. And he's telling those people there, he's like, you guys are concerned with one another. Whether this right in your eyes or my eyes, or I'm getting honor from you or honor from, uh, from somebody else. Where Jesus is saying, you should be seeking the honor that comes from God. You should be thinking, is this acceptable unto God? Because healing that impotent man, was that acceptable unto God? Absolutely. This morning, are you more concerned with seeking the honor of men than seeking the honor of God. If you're going to be the example that Christ wants you to be, you need to be seeking the honor that comes from God only. And that means that you do what you do because of Jesus. Jesus did what he did because of God. That you make sure that the things that you say and the things that you do are in accordance with God's will. Don't worry about men's honor. 
Worry about the honor that comes from God only. That is the example that Jesus Christ has left for us as well. In Matthew chapter 15, here's here's another incident here. In Matthew chapter 15, this is where those Jews there, those Pharisees, they are are upset because Jesus' disciples uh, ate some food without, without washing their hands. And they said, you have broken the tradition of the elders. And they were so concerned with this one thing that they were were missing out on all, all this other stuff. And Jesus kind of, he kind of lets them have it. He kind of lets them know that it's not a big deal that. He said, you guys are so concerned with the traditions of your fathers that you are teaching those things as doctrine. And Jesus said that, and he quotes he quote Isaiah there calling them hypocrites. He said, you guys are hypocrites. You honor me with your mouth, but your heart is, is far from me. You guys don't understand. And he pretty much lets them have it. And he tells them that they are hypocrites. Don't worry about, about that. You should be worrying about what is acceptable unto God. And then right here, when he was done, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 12, the Bible says, Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So... His disciples, they come to Jesus and say, wait a second, Jesus, did you realize that you just offended all these guys with what you said? They're upset. And Jesus' response is like, if they're not planted in my father, they're going to be rooted up. He said, leave them alone. You continue to do the things that, 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 that God wants you to do. Jesus wasn't concerned with offending people. Are we concerned with offending people when we're preaching the word of God? Because if you are being the example that Christ wants you to be and you're going about spreading the word of God, you will offend people. It's just gonna happen. It happened to Jesus, it'll happen to you. And to me, if that's happening to you, then you're probably being a good example of Jesus Christ. Because when he preached, when he taught, it wasn't worrying about whether he's gonna get the honor for men or he was gonna offend men. It was what is acceptable unto God. And it says there that every plant that is not planted is gonna be rooted up, let them alone. We are those that are sowing the seed. We are those that are spreading the word of God. And it doesn't matter where we spread that seed, we continue to spread that seed. And if we offend people, are we worried about that? Are you not being the best example that you could be because you're worried about offending somebody? Are you worried about not getting the honor, for, uh, 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 the honor from men so you don't speak the things that you should speak? No, Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Paul speaking here, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paul's saying, Do I, do I, am I here to please men? He said, If I yet please men, I won't even be the servant of Christ. The servant of Christ is worried about pleasing God, not pleasing men. And Jesus Christ, the example we should follow, is worried about pleasing his father, not pleasing men. God's not concerned with pleasing people. He's concerned with saving people. And that means speaking the word of God if it offends somebody or not. And those that it doesn't offend are those that are going to be rooted and grounded in the truth. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we're going about talking to people, whether it's at school or at work or at home or, or wherever, 
and we come across uh, some things or, or some people that are not really liking or interested in what we're saying, do we think, am I seeking the kingdom of God with my words? Am I seeking the kingdom of God with my actions towards this person? You know, when I was in school, when I was in junior high, or it was middle school when I was there, it wasn't junior high. They call it junior high now. It was Pampa Middle School. There was a real popular thing, and there was all these different color bracelets that everybody had. And all those bracelets, it said WWJD, and you may know what that means. And everybody had them, and I had several of them. I had no idea what it meant. They just There's all these different colors, and everybody else had them, and it was cool. And it was kind of a watered-down thing, and everybody had them, and nobody really understood what that, what that was for. What that phrase was, what would Jesus do? I didn't know what that meant. I just wanted the bracelet. So it kind of got watered down. It was like a marketing deal, but there's nothing wrong with that phrase. It's like, before you speak, think about what would Jesus do. Before you speak, think about, is this going to be pleasing God or pleasing men? Before you speak, think about, is this seeking the kingdom of God? And I want us to think about, as we're going about our lives and we're going about walking around here on this earth, that when we encounter people and we encounter these situations like Jesus is in, think for just a few seconds before you speak. Think about, are you going to be an example of Jesus Christ or are you going to be concerned with upsetting this person? Because Jesus was not concerned with upsetting people. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, anytime that we, that we talk about or, or, or we study Jesus Christ as being an example, these are excellent verses here. These are verses that we could study, that we can look at, and that we can continue to have in our minds as we're thinking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He says here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no <clears throat> a reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. <clears throat> so it says here, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And to me, that is a fantastic verse. Say, guess what? Here's the mind of Christ, and you get to read about it, and you can do this. And it says here that, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. This is how Jesus thought. This is why Jesus did what he did, is these verses here, is that Jesus was equal with God. So if you think about that, he was far above us, and he is far above us, but he was able to do all these things. And it's an encouraging thought. Can you do this if Jesus did? Absolutely. Jesus was equal with God and he took upon him the form of a servant. If you look up that word servant in Strong's, it means bond servant or slave. Jesus came to do the will of God and he's gonna do the will of God no matter what. And he said that he fashioned himself, being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He became like us. He became flesh and blood. And he humbled himself. And I have humbled himself underlined there. And we're going to come back to uh, the uh, ob obedient part of, of that verse later on in our lesson. But I want us to focus on being a humble servant. Are you a humble servant of Jesus Christ this morning? If Jesus Christ is your example, are you humble and ready to do the will of God? <clears throat> now, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, this is Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount here, and I would encourage you to go back and study all that. It's an excellent set of verses. It's an excellent several, several chapters there of how we should treat people and how we should act. But right here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, the Bible says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, 
<clears throat> an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will also sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twine. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that borrow of thee, turn thou, turn not thou away. <clears throat> so Jesus is teaching here. Why is he specifically bringing out these things? Because we have problems with these things. He, this teaching is here because man needs this teaching. It says here that if, if someone slaps you or insults you is basically what that slap means, do we retaliate? Going back to 1 Peter chapter 2 where it says that when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He did not retaliate. You know, I find myself at work sometimes and I'm talking to people. And sometimes people at work get really, really mad about stuff. And they start saying things and they get really upset and sometimes they want to take that out on me. So I'm down there on the floor, on the shop floor, and I'm talking to these people and they're just going at it. They're just super upset and there's just things coming out of their mouth and they're speaking to me and to my, my, my coworker in a manner that is, is not acceptable. You should not speak to people like that. And every now and then I almost, almost feel my right hand kind of want to do this, just, just, a, just a small fist, not, not a real big one. But my hand just wants to, I want to just retaliate. Why is that? Because there's a war going on inside of me that my flesh is against the spirit. The spirit does not retaliate, but the flesh really wants to. And it says there that the lust of the flesh, and many times when we think about the lust of the flesh, we think about sin, but sometimes I lust to really hit somebody because they're acting in a way that is not right. But I don't do that. We should not do that because Jesus Christ is our example. And it says there's someone takes your cloak, give them your coat also. <clears throat> For one, we shouldn't be possessive of our things anyways. If someone takes that, that, that's fine. It's not mine anyways, right? Be the example that Christ left. And if you think about this, you think about this set of verses and, and then you fast forward to Jesus being crucified and all those things that were done to them, that's these verses. Jesus was smacked. He was spat upon. All these things happened to him, and he did not retaliate. Why? Because he was doing what was acceptable unto God. What was acceptable unto society is to go ahead and rear back and, and, and let him have it. Well, that's not how we should be. The Bible says also in Matthew chapter 5, uh, continuing on in that chapter, it says here in verse 43, ye have, ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what, what do ye more than, than others? Do not even the publicans so. So here it's saying that you should love your enemies. Bless them that curse you and those that persecute you. And that's what Jesus did. If we read his life, we see that that's the example that he left. But that's not easy either. See, to be the example that Christ wants you to be, it's not just a walk in the park. It's, it's, it's narrow, it's straight, it's difficult. But that's what God wants from us. And he says that we should treat everybody this way. 
you know, when I come to this place or, or this building, it's very easy for me to be the best example I can be. I, I see brothers and sisters b- before me. It's easy when I'm with my brothers and sisters to be the example. When I'm out in the world, that's when it gets a little more difficult. And it's saying that those that are your enemies, those that want to persecute you, you act the exact same. You be that example that Jesus Christ has left. Then he says here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. When you read that verse, what do you do? When you read that verse, do you just take your Bible and you just put it down? And you're like, "Ah, I can't do that. I'm not perfect. Jesus is perfect, but I'm not Jesus. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, I'm not Jesus. When we see a verse after reading those things that we should do, and it says, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, we should try very, very, very hard to be perfect. We should stretch our arms, stretch ourselves towards the bar that Jesus Christ has set that we should strive to be perfect. You know, the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16, it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into, into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of, of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Be ye therefore perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. But was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. You know, when we're in those situations that's difficult and we have all these feelings and these emotions that we, that, 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 that we want to retaliate or we want to do things or we want to not be the example that we want to be, you know, Jesus Christ felt those same feelings. And I think that's encouraging to think about, that he, that he felt those things. He felt that anxiety. He felt that fear. He felt that being upset. But he did not sin. He did not retaliate. He did not threaten back. Now, when I was in high school, I played soccer. I don't know if you'll have soccer here. I know you guys don't have soccer here. But you guys have basketball and some other sports. And I would have coaches that would tell me, Justin, I want you to give 110%. You know what's impossible? 110%. That's impossible. You only have 100% of yourself. You can't give any more than 100%. That's all you're going to have. But why would they tell me to do that? So I would work hard and I would strive to perform to the best of my ability and possibly reach that 100%. Jesus is not going to set a bar that's very comfortable down here. He says, I want my service to take it easy. He's like, oh, this is very easy to be a Christian. This is, I, this is great. The bar is set that we should act contrary to how our fleshly person wants to act that we should be Christ-like in all circumstances and situations in our lives and that we should strive for perfection. And I want us to think that if you work hard, you'll find that you can get a whole lot closer to that perfect than you think you can. To stop for just one moment and think about something that could really get in the way of us trying to be the best example that we can be, and that's pride. You know, Proverbs chapter 16 Verse 18 and 19 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spool with the proud. Was Jesus a prideful person? Was Jesus just puffed up and full of pride? He's the example. He's who we should follow. Is he full of pride? 
know, a, a prideful person is, is someone that when they get slapped, they're ready to slap back. So how dare you slap me? How dare you spit at me? Do you not know who I am? Was that how Jesus Christ acted? He said, I'm the son of God. Did you just slap me? Did you just spit in my face? How dare you? That's not how Jesus acted. Jesus was a humble and obedient servant, ready to do the will of God. Pride can destroy any effort that you're going to put forth from this morning to be a better Christian in the future than you have in the past. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly. That's Jesus. Better to be like Jesus than be a prideful person. Don't let pride get in the way of you being the example that you should be. John chapter 13, and as I say John chapter 13, you may already know the, the, the story that I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to read. I'm not going to read this whole story. But in John chapter 13, this is where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. This is after supper. He's, he, he has the disciples there, and he's, he's going to wash their feet. And it says there in John chapter 13, verse 4 through 5, he rises from supper, <clears throat> excuse me, and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself and that, he, and that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the, the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. <clears throat> as, we, as we think about this story, remember from Philippians cha- chapter 2 that he was equal with God, and here he is on earth, and he has his disciples here, and he, and he pours some water He's about to wash the disciples' feet. Peter there, when, when he gets to, to Peter, at least recognizes who, who Jesus is to, to some extent. I don't think Peter un, understood at all, but he understood a little bit. He understood who Jesus was to the, to the extent of like, don't wash my feet. He said, I want you to wash all of me because Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have, you have no part of me. But they didn't understand what Jesus was trying to teach them. And he tells them there in John chapter 13, verse 12, it says, So after that he had washed their feet, he had taken up his garments and he had set them down again. And he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, I'll I'll go and say this now. It's not about just washing feet. It's about serving each other. He said, if you call me master and you call me Lord, guess what? That's, that's exactly who I am. I am your master and I am your Lord. That if I am willing to humble myself and wash your feet, you are not too good to do any of these tasks. And, and that, 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 that's one of the things I want us to take from it this morning, that when it's time for us to serve our man, when it's time to serve our brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what the task is. Jesus is the example. He would do that task. And it says here in, in verse 15, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you that the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Happy is the servant that is willing to get on his hands and knees and do what needs to be done. You know, Jesus had to get down on his knees, I'm sure. And he was there washing his feet. He was with God. He was equal with God. And he's basically washing the foot that he created because it needed to be done. And he was giving them an example that they should follow. You know, if you want to strive to be the best humble servant, here's an exercise that I encourage you to do. When you go home and pray, get on your knees and pray. 
prostrate yourself before God and the Son and pray and put yourself physically in that state and you will feel that humbleness. Jesus was willing to, uh, to do that. He was the humble servant willing to serve others. And that's the example for us this morning as well. That no matter what the task is, we can do that task if it needs to be done. Back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, five through 8, down in verse 8 where it says, And he became obedient unto death. I want us to talk about being obedient. And when was Jesus obedient? Did he pick and choose when it was time to be obedient? No. He was always obedient to his father, always obedient to the will of God and ready to do that regardless of, of, the, of, of the circumstances. Philippians chapter 2 Verse 5, and he became obedient unto death, even the, the death of the cross. As we go to Luke chapter 22 here, in Luke chapter 22, verse 39, it says here, and he came out and went and was wont, or as he was accustomed to, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's cast and knelt down and prayed. So Jesus knows his time is coming. He's about to go to the cross and be crucified. He's about to have the sins of the world laid upon him, have his body broken and his blood spilled for the remission of sins. You know, there's times in my life where I've had some difficult situations, certainly nothing like this. And it was very hard for me to focus on being that servant that I needed to be. And, and, and here's the, the, the thing is, I wasn't even sure how it was going to come out for my situation. I had all this anxiety and I was upset and I wasn't even 100% sure what was going to happen. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly what was about to happen to him. But remember, he is the one that's going to do what is acceptable unto God. He is the one that is going to be the humble and obedient servant, the example that we should follow. Luke chapter 22, verse 42, the Bible says, Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So he prays to his father, says, if there's any, any other way that this can happen, any other way, let it pass. But then he says this, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When we pray to God and we have things going on in our lives, do we omit that final part? God, take this away from me and then not say, but thy will be done. Jesus Christ was willing to go through agony suffering and pain because it was the will of God. That if you are going to be a Christian that is going to be living the example of Jesus Christ, that there are times in your life when you're living that example, that it's not going to be comfortable. It's, it's not going to be fun. It might be painful. It might be embarrassing or whatever those things happen to you, but it is worth it because Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ went to the cross so that we would have that home in heaven. That if you are going to be a Christian that is living that example, there's times where it's going to be difficult, like, like this. It's going to be hard, but it's worth it to do the will of the Father. And him being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. What did he pray for? The exact same thing. Three times he prayed. But he said, not my will, but thine be done. He was willing to carry that cross all the way. You know, Luke chapter 9 Verse 22, the Bible says, saying the Son of Man, Luke chapter 9, 
Verse 22, the Bible says, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. That, that, that's what we were reading just a minute ago. That, that's, what, that's what's happening to Jesus Christ here. Verse 23, it says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. <clears throat> You know, we understand that Jesus felt the weight of that cross, that the physical cross he was carrying it up the hill. But Jesus Christ felt the weight of that cross his whole life. There are times where Jesus Christ was persecuted. They sought to kill him. He had no place to lay his head. But he was there to be the servant and the example and to do what God wants him to do. And it says here that if any man is going to follow him, if you're going to be an example. You want to be Christ-like. It says, if you come after me, you need to deny yourself. You need to empty yourself. Don't be worried about man or worried about society or worried about how you look. Don't worry about the honor of men or what's acceptable to society. You worry about the honor of God. You worry about what's acceptable unto God. And it says, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Brothers and sisters, if you are carrying your cross, you should feel the weight of that cross. There should be times when you are offending people. There should be times when you are going about spreading the word of God and it is difficult. There are times when you are encountering people that want to persecute you and you should still love them and not retaliate and not threaten. Do you feel the weight of your cross this morning? If you don't, you're not carrying it correctly. Jesus felt the weight of his cross, but for the joy that was set before him, he was willing to take it all the way so that man could be saved. Are you carrying your cross correctly this morning? Do you feel the weight of that cross? Are you being the best example that you should be? You know, in Luke chapter 23, verse 33, the Bible says, and when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. So Jesus is, is being crucified there. He's being crucified. These people are, 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 are causing pain to him. And he says there, forgive them. How, how can he do that? Can we, can we do that? Can we be that example? That's a perfect example. Jesus Christ says, I'm going to do the will of God. And he's so much there that he said that he's able to forgive them that are doing these things to him. It's because, God, it's because Jesus had committed himself to him that judges righteously. He's able to do these things and be the example. Because back, back there in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we read at the beginning of this lesson where it says that when he reviled, he reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Are you committed to him that judges righteously? Because if you are, then you should be the same example that Jesus Christ has left for us in the scriptures. Jesus was committed to his father to do his will in any circumstance, no matter what was going to happen to his body, no matter what was, was going to happen to him. He was going to be the example. Whether it was painful, whether it was agonizing, whether it was uncomfortable, he was going to do the will of God, concerned with what is acceptable to God and not what was acceptable unto man. This morning, are you committed to God? 
Are you a Christian? Have you been baptized in the name of our Father? Have you been baptized in the name of our, our, our Lord and Savior to arise and walk in newness of life? Have you put on Jesus Christ so that you can start being that example? If you have not done that this morning, there's water here behind me. We can take care of that this morning. So that you can start being that example that Christ wants you to be. Because if you are going to be a holy and acceptable servant, a living sacrifice, you can't do that without Jesus Christ. You've got to have Jesus Christ. He paid the price so that you would have that home in heaven. And he requires that you be baptized and that you can be that example that he has led. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard, or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.